Welcome to episode 84 of the Swamp Flicks Podcast. My name is Brandon Lede. And I'm Brittany Lombas. And we are recording in Brittany's apartment in Pigeontown, New Orleans. And this is the podcast version of the movie review website Swamp Flicks. Yes, it is. Brittany, last week we talked about everything we saw at the Overlook Film Festival, me and Cece. Yeah. So I've been sort of out of it with like new movies, but I've been trying to catch up. What have you been watching lately? No. Well, actually, I have seen one new movie, which I'll talk about, but I want to talk about the really crappy movie I saw first from 2002. It's called Slap Her, She's French. <laughs> um, and I can't decide if I hate that or love it's, it. I don't. I know. It's a, well, that's why I chose to watch it. I'm like, I don't know if I'm down with this or not. Um, it's also known as She Gets What She Wants. Still. <laughs> It's just getting worse. It's like one word off from like, she gets what she deserves, which is horrible. <laughs> but I kind of like the provocative twist on that. It's like a teeny bopper pop movie from the early 2000s. It's like a very, very cheap Mean Girls in a way. It's essentially about this girl named Starla. And she's um, a pageant queen, head cheerleader, Katie Couric wannabe from this really small town in Texas. Like she, she's like, I want to be a news anchor woman when I grow up. Isn't that the exact plot of Drop Dead Gorgeous? Oh my god! Right? When was Drop Dead Gorgeous? Ninety nine. <gasps> okay, well, I guess more of a cheap, yeah, more of a cheap Drop Dead Gorgeous than yeah. Mean Girls. Ugh. Well, it's got that quirky humor, but it's not good enough to laugh at. Where during a pageant, she's like, I just have to say something about loving Jesus and I'm going to win for the question. And someone gets that question. And then when it it comes to be her turn to speak, someone already took the Jesus one. She's kind of like, my family is going to host the first French exchange student in our small town. And everybody starts clapping and she like wins. And they're like, God, she's good. It's like stupid stuff like that yeah. where you're like, eh. Anyways, so that's what what happens. Her family hosts a foreign exchange student from Paris named Genevieve. And Genevieve is like very stereotypical alloy magazine French girl with like the plaid skirt, the beret, the glasses. And she slowly, like she comes off as like really shy and like, oh, I don't speak much English. And I love France. Well, she starts to like single white female Starla (laughs) where she starts to like get her parents to love her. Like she goes hunting with Starla's dad and she's like, you're like, he's like, Oh, you're the daughter I never had. And, um, she starts to mack on Starla's boyfriend and she kind of plays dumb where like Starla's failing French class and she'll be kicked off the cheerleading squad unless she passes. So she gets Genevieve to help her and Genevieve like, gets her to say all this crazy shit in French. Like, like, sabotages her. Yeah, like, she goes up to her teacher and tells him something, and it's essentially, like, I have a mouth like ten fingers or something. Oh, gross. Like, just weird <laughs> shit like that. Well, you eventually find out that Starla isn't French. <laughs> She's a Texan girl who pretends to be French so that she could get back at Starla for fucking up her pageant run, like, a million years ago. That's it. That's it. (laughs) (laughs) It's okay. There's a Black Eyed Peas song that plays over and over and over and over again. Oh, now I'm sold. Yeah, so um, that that was cool. Other than that, yeah, it was just, it was stupid. Well, Drop Dead Gorgeous (laughs) turns like 20 years old in the next month. That's a fucking 
gym. So just watch that instead. Yeah, watch that. This was, yeah, this is kind of like if they had $5 bins in the 90s, I'm sorry, in the early 2000s at Walmart that are like knockoffs of like really good movies, this would be that. It's like a mockbuster of a film that didn't even do that well in the first place. Exactly. <laughs> so yeah, that was it. Um, and the other film that I watched recently that is a recent movie is The Perfection. Oh, I wanted to see that. You would like it. Yeah. It's really cool. It stars Allison Williams, and she hasn't played in a lot. Like, she was big in Girl. She was in Get Out. But she really hasn't been in a lot of films. Like, I think her career is just kind of starting up. But she's fucking cool as shit. Yeah. And she's really good in here. So, in this movie, she plays a girl named Charlotte, who has this really awesome talent at playing the cello. And she went to this very prestigious school called Bakoff. I can't pronounce it. Well, anyways, she goes to this prestigious music school and her mother falls ill and she leaves to go take care of her mother as her mother's like dying. So she leaves the school and she's like this prodigy of the cello. Well, her mom dies and like some time passes and then she reaches back out to the owners of that school and they invite her to go to Shanghai with them where they're scouting out like talent and the person who sort of replaced her at the school her name's lizzie well they come like face to face so there's like some weird tension where you're like oh that's totally this chick's replacement does she hate her does she not and they start to like talk and lizzie's a big fan of hers and they go clubbing and they make out and they have sex a bunch and I mean, I really don't want you to give away too many twists here, too, because it's a really twisty movie. It's so twisty. I'm going to give, I'm going to go up to this point because it shows up on, like, the Netflix previews. Okay. So you can't really avoid it. Fair enough. But Lizzie gets sick, and she gets some ibuprofen from Charlotte, and she just, like, progressively gets worse. Like, she's taking this medicine, and it's not making her get better. And, like, she pukes up and there's, like, fucking little demonic-looking bugs in her vomit. (laughs) And there's, like, bugs all crawling under her arm skin. And it's on her hand that she plays the cello with. So then she might have to do something to her hand to get the bugs out. Yeah, it gets twisty after that. But essentially it's, like, this cult I've been saying essentially so much. <laughs> I don't know what's going on. With hey, man, me. you're just trying to get to the heart of it, you know? Just I've been saying to cut that a lot in like the training <laughs> classes I've been teaching. Oh, <laughs> like, yeah. Essentially, this is blah, blah, blah. And it's like transferring into like my normal day talk. I hate it. But think about how much time you're saving everyone by getting to what's essential. Essential. You know? <laughs> is that really? Nothing's essential about it. <laughs> so many twists. Anyway, the school, this like prestigious music school, it's kind of like this cult where they do certain fucked up shit. And I'm not going to talk about it, but yeah, it's a twist of a twist of a twist of a twist. Yeah. A twist on top. We pick up these like episode topics like a month in advance. Mm-hmm. And I'm glad I went the way we did this week because I really liked all the movies we watched. But I yeah, wanted to do a perfection episode. And I was oh. like, what are some good topics? Like, should we do like a cult thing about bugs or should we... This is like a month ago, so I don't even I don't even know that much about the movie. I was just going on like the promo materials for it. And I was also thinking of those like movies like Opera and Grand mm. Piano, those like trashy thrillers that are like set in these like opulent music environments. Or Black Swan could go with this oh, too. Yeah. It was very Black Swan. Um and it's perfect for uh Pride Month because <laughs> it's centered around a lesbian romance. Which is Gay really cool. Occultist horror. Mm, Ugh, it's great. I want this so bad. <laughs> it's really good. I can see why 
a lot of people kind of said some weird shit about it. Like people are like, oh, yeah, it's stupid. I didn't like it. I didn't get it. And immediately I gravitated towards it and I really enjoyed it. And I think you would, too. I yeah. think every all of the Swan Flicks peeps would like it. This so. sounds like very over the top and excessive in yeah. the way that we like. Yes. I'm excited. Cool. That's pretty much the worst of what I've been watching and the best of what I've That's recently good. watched. So I like to kind of Bounce do that. it out. Mm-hmm. What have you been watching, Brandon? Well, like Overlook really did take over like a week's worth of like movie watching for Got me. Got taken over by Overlook? Yeah. I mean, we watched 10 features there. We did a whole podcast episode on those. And then I wrote 10 movie reviews based on those. So that was a lot of effort and time. <laughs> And I've been catching up in the last few days just of stuff I've been meaning to watch. And usually when I come in here, I have some kind of theme to like, I have a lot to pick from. So today, I, I'm just going to say the two movies I watched yesterday just to like, <laughs> you know, get to the heart of it. I went to the theater and saw Godzilla King of the Monsters. Hell yeah. The reason I was interested in this was that it was directed by Michael Doherty, who directed Krampus. Oh, and cool. uh, Trick or Treat. You remember that horror anthology about like the candy? Love it. Yeah. Probably the best like recent horror movie that's been made in a very long time. Like a more a modern anthology. day one. Yeah. Yeah. It's awesome. It's a really good one. And this is probably his worst movie if you're going by those three. Oh, no. But I will say I enjoyed it more than its other films in the series. Like this is a sequel to Gareth Edwards 2014 Godzilla. I like which that one. I thought it was so boring. <laughs> I enjoyed like, it. The human characters and like the gloominess of it and how serious it is. I just found it kind of boring. <laughs> uh, and then it's also tied in to the Kong Skull Island movie a couple mm. years ago. Uh, and I didn't like that one either. Is that the movie? I think I might have walked into it on like TV at someone's house. But there's like a giant spider on an island that's poking That sounds like thing. the Peter Jackson one from 2005. Is it a King Kong thing? Yeah. Uh, this one Wait, is, there's multiple ones? Yeah. Okay. This one's like from a couple <laughs> years ago, and it's kind of like this Vietnam War movie, but it's also a comedy. It's got John C. Riley in it. It's very jokey. Oh, my God. And it's got these like short bursts of monster action. So like the monster action is kind of cool in it, uh-huh. but you don't see these like really prolonged scenes of it. It's like very quick glimpses. Gotcha. So this is a sequel to two movies I didn't like. Wow. But I think it's better than both of them. I think it like kind of meets them in the middle. Like, it's got these long, prolonged periods of kaiju action. It kind of reminds me of, like, Pokemon. Like, it's trying to collect all the Godzilla monsters. There's, like, dozens of, like, famous giant monsters in this movie, and they all do battle for, like, long periods of time. Is Mothra in it? Mothra's in it, and she's great. She gets to flap her beautiful wings, and she gets to do some vicious fighting I'm glad there's a lot of kaiju shit going on. That's the main reason I watch Godzilla, so I don't care about the the plot line. I don't care about the people. If... He has to kill them. And so be it. <laughs> this has a little bit of the gloomy, like family drama stuff yeah. from that uh, Gareth Edwards Godzilla, but it doesn't matter as much because so much of the movie is just monsters fighting, like for minutes and minutes on end. That who cool. gives a shit? Like, like you're saying, I was here for that, right? And it gave me plenty of it, so I was fine. It's not like a great film, and like I said, it's probably my least favorite Michael Doherty movie. But there's been a lot of complaining about how it's awful, and I think that's kind of stupid. Like, if you like Godzilla, what you like is watching these monsters fight. It's never going to be as charming as it was when it was two people in rubber suits on these like miniature sets. Like it's not as good as those. Right, but we can't go back to that ever. I wish we could, but people would complain about that too <laughs> being silly. It. People complain about fucking everything. Oh yeah, I hate it. Welcome to the internet. <laughs> but I liked this. It was fun, and Ghidorah gets a lot of screen time. 
Cool. Uh, it's this three-headed dragon that breathes electricity beams. That's probably so cool to see in theaters. It's fucking metal. Like uh, every time he, you know, gathers just lightning from the a guitar shredding in the background. Oh uh, yeah, it, <laughs> it's like those uh, '80s album covers, you know. Yes. What's the name of that big trash heat monster? That is my favorite Godzilla movie. Is he in? No, I wish. No trash monster. That's uh, a <laughs> that's Hedera. Hedera. One of the English translations is Godzilla versus the trash monster, but uh, <laughs> the DVD I have is Godzilla versus Hedera, and that's easily my favorite Godzilla movie. It's got everything. It's a good one. You made me watch that. Yeah, I enjoyed it. That's so why I was curious if they like revamped him for this. <laughs> This movie. This isn't as campy or fun or vibrant or like, it's like energizing. No baby as that Godzilla. One. No. No trash monster. No, it's still that gloomy Gareth Edwards one mm. with so much more action and some jokes because Michael Doherty has a sense of humor, which is why we like him. Um, like Krampus is a straight up comedy. Oh, totally. Even Trick or Treat has a lot of like humor to it. Yeah. Um, a lot of this dark humor. is uh, a little bit of jokes, a little bit of that. And it's got all these like famous people in it, so it's kind of amazing that it's not like a huge success. In the '90s, it would have made a lot of money, but now it's something that people complain about on the internet, and it's fine. People are so obsessed with these fucking Marvel movies; they don't give credit <laughs> when credit is due to the good shit. I enjoyed it actually just about as much as Endgame, and I was there for an hour less, so <laughs> so it's got a one up on there. <laughs> Sold. But let's talk about a movie I really liked that I watched yesterday called The Neon Demon. Which was my favorite movie of 2016. <laughs> and then I saw 20th Century Woman after. I'd probably put that above that one. But I love The Neon Demon. I hadn't really seen it in a couple years. It's still as beautiful and like vicious and over the top and like grimy and sleazy. And yeah. like it's, it's everything. It's a great film. It's so like beautiful, but the grossest shit's happening and all this beauty. Because you watch that, you need to freaking watch Elizabeth Harvest because it kind of reminds oh, me yeah, of that a little Lee's bit. Oh, yeah, and Abby Lee's in both of them, huh? Yeah, and she's in both, so. What I think is interesting about it right now is that everyone has the biggest heart on for Keanu Reeves right now um, <laughs> because of, like, John Wick, and he popped and up on a Netflix rom-com last which month. Which I did watch that movie. I watched um, it, too. Or Always Be My Maybe. Yeah. I liked it a lot. Uh, it was okay. <laughs> really? It was like a Folger Laundry kind of movie to me. Like, Oh, yeah. It was lit and shot and acted like a television commercial well michelle buteau is like one of my favorite like modern comedians and she's pretty funny in there is she the, she's uh, the hippie friend. girlfriend oh no she's a pregnant friend yeah okay. she's so fucking funny her comedy is hilarious she has a lot she um i think she was on the two dope queen show a couple of times oh, okay she's really cool so I, I liked watching her in that but i liked it i will say that everybody is a little charming in it like i like yeah. all the characters and the actors it's sweet but it looks like a commercial <laughs> the best bone waking up That's, you want to hear that, that at like every and corner. they go to like burger king and then the dad puts in that like nest um automated air condition controller and talks about its features for like a few minutes and like does the whole rompo peel like set it and forget it bit about it mm -hmm. and then later in the movie this is what really pissed me off <laughs> later in the movie they're making out <laughs> in their apartment next to the nest control and that is like the center of the frame as your focus is on this control on the wall that they've already advertised. <laughs> and you think that what's going to happen is them like passionately making out, they're going to accidentally like readjust the temperature to some extreme, like either super hot or super cold. And it's gonna be like a joke. And it's like, no, they just move on. So the whole point of it was just so that you think about it some more. <laughs> so it's an ad. All the jokes. And then also they, they advertise for Netflix itself in the movie. Like they make some <laughs> jokes about Netflix, but... 
I don't know. I actually watched it while I was folding clothes. That's exactly what I did, and it was fine. <laughs> which means it's like a three-star Netflix joint, yeah. you know? It's a rom-com. But Keanu Reeves was very funny in it. Yes. And he plays like a douchier version of himself. Mm-hmm. And I think what's interesting about the Neon Demon in this context is you don't really get to see him play like a full-on creep-ass villain in that many movies. Um, In The Gift, he plays like an abusive husband. Oh, he, yeah. And he's so good at oh, it. Oh, he's creepy as fuck. I love that movie. And in Bill and Ted's Bogus Journey, he gets to play the evil version of Ted. Mm-hmm. But in Neon Demon, he's like so sleazy and right. gross. He's this like evil motel owner who's like definitely a pedophile rapist Mm -hmm. thankfully you don't have to see him doing that stuff but he just oozes this like disgusting villainous like monstrosity out of like every line he delivers in the movie and you just hate his fucking guts you want to like murder him which is nice because we're so used to seeing keanu in this like same role over and over again he plays this like lovable doofus and even in always be on my maybe he's still kind of lovable even though he's like ridiculous he's just like a sweet douche have you watched the John Wick movies? No. Okay. I saw the first one. It was fine. I want to see them because there's a pit bull in them. Yeah. I didn't know. Well, and I like dogs. Eh. Does it die? Yeah. <laughs> I thought he was like protecting it. Is this movie about him trying to save a dog that people are trying to kill? I don't know what it's about. I didn't look up anything. I've just seen the So it's been years since I've seen the first one. What I remember yeah. is that his dog is murdered in the first movie. Mm. And he's like avenging his dog's death. Really? But maybe he adopts a pit bull after that in the second one. I didn't get that far. I thought it was fine. There was a dog like my dog. So I'm like, I feel very passionate about this film. The other ones look like they go really over the top. So maybe I'd enjoy them more. Okay, cool. It came out around the same time as The Guest. And I was way more into that one. I like that. I feel like I could like understand somebody avenging the death of their dog versus like one of their loved ones more. Yeah. (laughs) So I... That'd be cool. I, I think that like was that. like him expressing his grief for his dead wife too or something. I don't know. It's been so long. Yeah. Um, okay. Anyway, many shades of Keanu Reeves in the world. Mm-hmm. He gets a lot of like flack for playing the same character over and over again. He's not really in the Neon Demon a bunch, but if you want to see him go full creep. Yes. While also, you know, the rest of the movie being it's got really a good presence in its own right. It. Yeah. Yep. He's very memorably disgusting and evil. <laughs> And I kind of wish he did it more often. Mm. I don't have to love him all the time. <laughs> um, also, that movie just holds up. It's really good. It's very good. Well, today we're going to be talking about some other creepy, fun movies yes. with a lot going on in them. And I love everything we watched today. So this is going to be a really giddy episode. Me too. I'm excited. Uh, we're talking about Psycho Biddies. My oh. fucking favorite genre and my favorite thing ever. I think I might be on the same page now. I don't know. This was a really good week, and we're going to be talking about some older Psycho Betty movies and one that's in the theater right now. So, all that's coming up to you right right now. now. Don't make me drink alone, and I don't want to hear any of this, I have homework crap. Don't make me drink alone. Don't make me drink alone. Don't make me drink alone. And now it's time for our movie, The Minute. This is where hosts of the show bounce back and forth recommending films to each other, and it was my turn to pick what to watch this week. And I made you go out to the theater, and we saw Ma, yeah, starring Octavia Spencer. Who? I think it's interesting right now that there's some kind of like psycho bitty revival going on right now. Mm-hmm. I'd say the Isabel Huppert movie Greta from earlier this year fits. I haven't seen it yet, and I do want to see it. Oh, you'd like it? Okay. And then also, I told you about this movie on Lifetime called Psycho Granny. Yeah. Did you end up watching that? Yeah, I caught it. I didn't um, sit for the whole thing, so I can't really talk too much about it, but. It was funny. It was about a just a psycho bitty who really wants to be a grandma. <laughs> 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 I 
Greta was Isabella Pear, like force adopting and like making captive like a younger woman and like obsessing over her in this like creepy mother relationship. That's totally what happens in that psycho grandma movie. How would you like describe a psycho bitty? Like, what does that mean? To me, it just means an unhinged, classy woman. Like, <laughs> it, it's not like like someone of I don't know. Like, I guess like if it was like a like a raunchy woman being crazy, I wouldn't consider that a psycho bitty. There's something about like these. It's these women who like don't come off as being crazy. Yeah, you know, like they're prim and proper. And then they just like have this really twisted thing inside them. Well, the like the age part is definitely part of it because Biddy means that you're an old lady, right? And it's usually these old ladies that are unmarried, and they either want children or lost their children, or, or they kill them. Yeah, <laughs> they want their children so that they can kill their children. <laughs> like Shelley Winters, we could talk about those films uh, forever yeah. too. Or uh, Debbie Reynolds and Who mm-hmm. Slew Auntie Rue. Mm-hmm. The original Psycho Betty movie is Whatever Happened to Baby Jane. Yep. And the success of that sort of spawned all these other like spinoff films. Right. This Octavia Spencer movie, Ma, uh, it kind of fits in the genre, although Octavia Spencer is a little younger than the usual Psycho Betty age. I don't think you have to be old to be a Psycho Betty. I think a lot of good Psycho Bettys just happen to be older. But if you say that to describe Ma, it's... 100% accurate. Yeah, everything else fits. Yeah. Um, so Ma is this, like, lonely vet tech in this small town. It kind of feels like North Louisiana or something. It's like this very industrial, <laughs> nowhere town where the right. kids are so bored. And all they want to do is drink and vape. And a rock quarry. <laughs> yeah, and a rock quarry. <laughs> Lame. Uh, but they're, you know... Parents who never left this podunk town and have shitty jobs at, like, casinos and, like, veterinary hospitals, like, they are always trying to stop the kids from drinking. Even though when they were kids, they did the, they drank at the same goddamn rock quarry. Right. Uh, so they're bumming outside a gas station, and they ask this sort of unassuming lady, played by Octavia Spencer, with this hideous uh, monkey's bowl cut. I thought it made her look so young. <laughs> she looks like a page from, like, an episode of Wishbone. Like she, <laughs> well, prob- I think that helped her whenever like her crazy comes out, that haircut helps because oh, yeah. it's like she lo- it makes her look even sweeter. <laughs> <laughs> so More innocent. She buys these teenagers liquor mm-hmm. and then eventually is like, hey, I don't think it's safe for y'all to drink at this rock quarry all the time. Why don't you come drink in my basement instead? And these okay. kids start drinking in her basement and then she starts obsessing over them over social media right like like facebook stalking them like what are they doing who are they what are these pictures of them (laughs) and meanwhile we get flashbacks to her own youth and when she was bullied as like an outsider and the cool kids used to drink at the quarry and make fun of her and i don't want to give away what it is but the kids are like bullied her in some really big traumatic way and you could see that she's getting revenge on the kids now and mm-hmm. there's some creepy undertone to her how she's like obsessing over them and right. re-involving their parents right and this is a small community where everyone knows each other so like the history of these kids parents and like their own drinking uh mixes in with these young kids and i feel like that tragic backstory is a lot of like psycho betty um mm. structure as well like you need some sympathy for the old woman and like right. why she is murderous and broke her mind. So on one hand you have Octavia Spencer is 
so good in this movie at switching from this very silly, fun person who wants to party uh, and like hang out and dance with these children, and then uh-huh. she can turn it in a second to like this total creep mode where um, she becomes this murderous, like Norman Bates type, and is up to something big. And the movie eventually goes into these like torture porn segments and these like very over the top kills. And even when she kills people, she turns on a dime in that way too. Like she'll kill someone in this murderous way. And then a second later, will turn on the radio and dance to it. Um, <laughs> she's like completely Hello, weekend. Or is here that I here I come? <laughs> oh, it's a look out. We look out. Weekend. Here I come because weekends were made for fun. Yes. Uh, Debbie Deb sings that song. Yeah. And her other song sounds exactly the same. <laughs> it's that song. It's like, uh, when I hear music, it makes me dance. <laughs> well, it's hard for me to pinpoint like what's going on in like Ma's head where she kind of lures them by being like, I just want y'all to have a safe place to drink. Give me your keys. And at first you're like, oh, she's just lonely. And this is like, filling some kind of void in her life. And then you find out like kind of her motive behind everything. But there are times where it's almost like she gets caught up in it and she like is legit having fun because it's reminding her like she, Oh, I'm finally the cool girl. Right. And then she like realizes like the point of her doing all this and parting with these kids. And she kind of catches herself from being like pulled into like having too much fun with them and getting to really like them. And usually that evil side comes out when the kids refuse to come over like what ma really wants is to party every single night and with drink her, to the point of like blackout <laughs> with her like rhinestone cap <laughs> and she like really parties she like mm-hmm. does the robot in the middle of the dance floor seemingly all the needle drops are like 80s songs like uh safety dance and uh, oh this there's like that safety dance scene where it, like something is happening where either someone's getting really drunk and they're realizing how creepy she is and it's like yes Hey. <laughs> um, that and the uh, Funky Town song. Oh, Funky Town yeah, for she, sure. She gets down to that with her little rhinestone cap. And then whenever the kids are like, no, I got to do homework tonight. Or, you know, I don't want to drink for the eighth day in she a row. She fucking loses she it. She loses it. And she starts like spam posting <laughs> them on social media. And she like <laughs> drops by at their high school to sort of bully them. <laughs> leaving them like tons of snapchats and putting beer by their car and then like they're like what is this and they look in their snap and she's like i have a keg at the house can't drink it all by myself don't make me drink alone (laughs) it's so great it's just this really fun tonal shift back and forth between just like a total creep and someone who just loves the party and Octavia's really hurt. And Octavia Spencer sells it. Uh-huh. One of my favorite scenes I've seen in any movie this year is her like evilly scrapbooking in the middle of the night while muttering yes. the lyrics to uh, <laughs> Lookout Weekend. It's Let's so good. Talk about that for a second. So in the theater, th- when that happened, whenever she's like cutting out all the pictures, making these like fucking psycho scrapbook pages, <laughs> I laugh my ass off oh, i started screaming and like <laughs> the theater was silent but everybody was laughing at the stuff that wasn't funny and i'm like am, this is funny right i saw people laughing at her crying um over her past which i thought was ridiculous yes and i'm like no, so, no that's, that's actually sad, sad. yeah and yeah and like what happened to her is like so sad like there are moments where she runs into people that were involved and i'm like ah fucking kill them ma slit them fuckers throats and she gets a few of them before the movie's and over and she does but then like <laughs> then she's an asshole and 
she's trying to harm people that have fucking nothing to do with it. So then you're like, what a bitch. <laughs> like, you kind of go back and forth where you're like, she's a monster, but like a sad monster. I don't know. A misunderstood beast. I just got to say, this movie gave me everything I wanted from it. Like, yeah, I heard a lot of people complaining that it doesn't go far enough. But oh, I think I, it gets what? what do they want? I don't know. Fucking it's weirdos. a mainstream <laughs> horror film. Like, it plays yeah. in multiplexes. It's not the perfection or something. It can't go straight to Netflix and do whatever it wants. It has mm. to, like, play by the rules a little bit. But the performance is so good. And the violence does get really disturbing. Um, yeah. Towards the end, the shit she does is like on the level of that D. Snyder movie, Strangeland. Oh, I never saw that. I'd probably it's like it. It's fucking crazy yeah. where it's... Yeah. I, I didn't... It was unexpected, like... Ugh. And there's a little on-screen peen in this movie, which yes. uh, you don't often see in these like mainstream and horror And she, like, she's lifting it up. Yeah. <laughs> With the threat of cutting it off. Uh, <laughs> she goes some really vicious places. And, you know, I'm always really down for some creepy social media stalking. Oh, yeah. She gets a lot of good Snapchat posts in there. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. No, this movie just gave me everything I wanted from the trailer. And, you know, we were talking about from Godzilla, like, a few minutes ago, like, uh-huh. how people just love to complain. Like, I don't know what more this movie could have done to please its audience. Right. I can't say one fucking bad thing about Ma. Yeah, I can't actually. You no. know, <laughs> it's it's a great version of the kind of movie it is. And I did like too how with her bullying, I think she was also like the only black girl. Yeah. In this group of people at her school. So it kind of plays on that a little bit, showing like how much of assholes people were. Yeah. And the group of teens that yeah. she's traumatizing. There's one black kid in the friend group and... He is very comfortable, like, mentioning the racial dynamic. Right. And every time he brings it up, she shuts down. And, yeah, I think the movie does a good job of talking about it without really talking about it. Like, it's a sore subject for her that, like, really, like, hits a nerve. And you can see it in her face. Like, she doesn't even even want to talk about the fact that she was the only black girl in her school and that's what happened to her. And then she, like, paints his face white and she's like... It's only room for one of us. Sorry. Oh, it's so uncomfortable. <laughs> right. In those moments, too, she does this thing that I think is like a really effectively creepy. And she like zones out whenever she goes into like a dark place and is either like remembering her past or or is like planning to get, get back at someone and kill them. She just sort of stops all muscle control in her face and just slacks off and <laughs> stares into the mid distance. And we don't know what she's thinking, but it's really fucking weird. Let's talk about this before I fucking forget it. Because I jumped out my seat, like, in fear. There's a scene where um, one of the the kids that party at Ma's is walking outside. And Ma wears these, like, hot pink uh, pants. Oh, yeah. And you can fucking see her lingering in the background, in the dark, in the woods. All you see are her neon pink pants, like, slightly Just faded. Barely, and then yeah. she, like, you can see her moving and, ah! That's so it's good. so good. Okay, let's talk about the fact that this is a like really fun, gross, excessive Bloomhouse horror film. Mm-hmm. You know, same people brought you like Unfriended and Get Out and some other like cult favorites we like from the last few years. Also, directed by the guy who did The Help somehow. What? How is that possible? I didn't know that. that is so weird. How did this director make something this compelling and fun and trashy? I don't I don't get it. It's been within him all along. Yeah, I guess so. This is like the true, this is the true self of him coming out. Wow. I didn't know that. Yeah. What if like Octavia Spencer is like his muse and he's like not finished with her yet? Like, 
We have more Maz. <laughs> I can't think of a better vehicle for her, but I'm saying this as someone who loves, you know, excessive trashy horror films. Yeah. So maybe someone else has something else in mind, but I think she gets to do the full range here. Like she is really fun when she's partying. She is really creepy when she spaces off right. and scrapbooks. And she's like pretty fucking sad and tragic whenever and she wants to turn the water wicks. Yeah, you I mean she does evil things and she probably should be stopped, but I don't hate the character. No, like, I love her. And that's kind of part of the psycho Betty thing too. You have to have a little sympathy for the woman. Cause it's not really her fault. She's that way. And we right. get an extensive reason, like how she got there. From the loneliness and simplicity of an isolated farm to the sophisticated elegance of a country estate, ingeniously designed to shock and startle, Straight Jacket mounts to a crescendo of electrifying suspense. So the first episode you ever did as like an official co-host for this podcast was we watched <laughs> both versions of Whatever Happened to Baby Jane. Right. Because there's, there's that, like, 90s made-for-TV remake. I still think about the 90s one with the Red Grave Sisters all the time. It's so bizarre. There should be love. Love, love should, should be, be there. there. <laughs> Ooh, not being scared. <laughs> and there's pretty much no denying that that is, like, the perfect Psycho Bitty movie. You have Joan Crawford and Betty Davis. Who are, like, the queens of Psycho Bitties. And hate each other. And like it just, their hatred, uh, you know, seeps through the screen, Mwah. and it's so deliciously like, campy and well made, and just like it's perfect. It's great. We couldn't pick those movies again. We've already talked about them, and they kind of own the genre. Mm-hmm. So we wanted to talk about some like classic psycho biddies to pair with Ma that were a little less seen, but these are still like the big ones. I think. Yeah. I picked Straight Jacket. Uh, it was made two years after whatever happened to Baby Jane. Um, in 1964, and it stars Joan Crawford as an axe-wielding maniac, uh, and she's directed by William Castle, who uh, <laughs> does all those like really over-the-top. Um, the Tingler. The Tingler, uh, where he like put buzzers in the seats, and uh, <laughs> for the release of Straight Jacket, he handed out cardboard axes to everybody yes. who came to the premiere. John Waters is a big fan. It's like mostly how I know his work. Joan Crawford teams with this director. He shoots everything extremely well. There's this very stark black and white, like harshly lit cinematography to the death scenes. Mm-hmm. So you see Joan Crawford <laughs> over the bed of her boyfriend and his lover in bed. And she chops both of their heads off. And what you see is their silhouettes in the back wall and the heads falling off. It's so funny, too, because it's the most silent death. It just sounds like wood being chopped. Thud. It's like, glue. <laughs> No one's screaming. And after that first death, it's really fun and like beautiful to look at. And you're like, okay, well, I guess that's the kind of death we're going to see in this movie. We're going to see some like silhouettes head falling off. No, later we get some like (laughs) real ass like gore head chopping. um, And it's always with an axe. And Joan Crawford is like dialed to an 11 this entire movie. She's just screaming her head off. Uh, She gets like shock therapy in like a um, straight jacket, the titular straight jacket. And she goes to an asylum for 20 years for killing 
her husband or boyfriend and his girlfriend who she found in bed with him. The beginning of this film is so great. It's wild. It starts off where it's like, extra, extra, read all about it. And it's like, X will be murderous. And then like swing music comes up. And then it shows her. And I mean, she looks like she's fucking 60. And (laughs) she's billed as like 29 years old. Right. And she's getting off a train, smiling, thinking she's the shit, walking down a country road. And then she catches her like husband with a lover. It's so, so good. It's so psychobitty. The narrator's like, she was very much a woman and very much aware of the fact. (laughs) Oh, it's so great. And her young daughter witnesses the murder. (laughs) Just stares at it. Yeah. Stares in terror. And Joan Crawford comes back out of the asylum 20 years later and is terrified of everything. Like she's fixated on any sharp objects that are on the house, like <laughs> sculpture carving tools or crochet like needles. Yeah. <laughs> and especially when she sees an ax in the uh, chicken beheading coop. She, <laughs> she like her eyes. I mean, she, she turns into ma. Yeah. Where like her eyes get really big and she starts shaking. <laughs> She like walks past the chicken coops and she's like, I just hate to see anything caged. Like <laughs> everything about her is just like overly dramatic in every frame. And yes. it's this really starkly lit movie. I don't know how, how much of the ending I want to give away. This movie's so old, but it ends in this really spectacular image. <laughs> it's so ridiculous, Ugh. but it's like, I was screaming. Oh, like, it's perfect. Towards the end when there's like the reveal of like, you know, I mean, we could say, like, people have been getting fucking decapitated. Yeah. Every, like, left and right. And the whole time you're thinking, it's got to be her. Everything points to her. Everything points to her. And there's this big, like, twist in the end. Can I at least say that there are two Joan Crawfords who engage in an axe battle with each other? <laughs> yeah. I Whatever. Like, that's the, the main selling point, that too. That looks so cool. It and is so good. I was screaming, screaming the whole time, like, when that was happening. I had never seen this movie before. <laughs> And I fucking loved every minute of it. Like, yeah, I don't know what list I picked this off of or whatever, but just so satisfying. It's wonderful. It's it's so fucking good. I thought it was fucking hilarious. Like, it was scary, but so funny where um, her daughter. What's her name again? It's like not Charlotte. What is I don't her? remember. Carol. Sue. There you go. Whatever. Such a 50s name. Um, so Carol is engaged to this guy. And his parents are kind of uppity. They're wealthy. They're uppity. They're snobs. Yeah. Well, there's a scene where I think the mother's stressed out and the father's like, here, honey, drink a glass of cold milk to calm down. Because <laughs> they don't drink. They're so straight laced. It was, oh, they're like drink. It looks like they're drinking milk out of wine glasses. And then there's the scene where Joan Crawford like drinks way too much liquor and is like trying to fuck her fuck daughter's yeah. boyfriend. Awesome. That's so good. It's beautiful there is no scene in here where she's not dialed to 11 like everything is either screaming or weeping or shaking with terror like everything is over the top that's so joan crawford like yeah in pretty much every movie i've seen her in no matter how like high budget or low budget she just like gives it fucking everything Yeah, I mean, I guess she got to play, like, sultry back in, like, the 30s. Like, she used to play, like, a vixen, you know? Yes. But at this age, um, she, for, like, for the rest of her career after Baby Jane, really, she only did these, like, really over-the-top roles. Betty Davis like too. Betty Davis as well yeah <laughs> that kind of, it's kind of their, their story is similar something that I really liked that had nothing to do with the actual plot of the film was when the movie's over with the Columbia statue at it's the head end falls is, off. <laughs> it's beheaded yes <laughs> 
And there's like nightmare sequences with severed heads. And there's <laughs> yes. a lot of head chopping in this movie. It's not going to give you the 80s like blood and gore, but um, now, there's like some practical effects of heads falling off bodies let's throughout. Let's think about head chopping. Okay. There might be something going on with that. So that's the thing that happens in Hush Hush Sweet Charlotte. Have you seen a lot of decapitation like like lovers' heads being chopped off in modern day films? I can't think of you many. You think it just ended there? <laughs> I can't think of many. I don't yeah, know. isn't that weird? Hush Hush Sweet Charlotte's a pretty good one. Is that a Psycho Benny movie? Oh, it kind of, yeah. Yeah. She's like a southern debutante that's like still haunting this like plantation yeah. house. This is a Betty Davis plantation. film, right? Yes. Yeah. Hush Hush Sweet Charlotte cut <laughs> off his hands and head. In Hush Hush Sweet Charlotte, there are children that made this like nursery rhyme to talk about Charlotte and what she does in the same shit here. Oh, where yeah. the, there's children that made up this nursery rhyme about Joan Crawford's character about what she did and her daughter had to deal with that at school. So there's some similarities in that too. It's and that was the same director as Baby Jane, right? Mm-hmm. I think so. Yeah. Okay. It is. Okay. Well, the mm. other movie we talked about today was your pick. We watched um, the other psycho bitty grand dame, Miss Betty Davis in 1965's The Nanny. Not the nanny named Fran. In this film, Betty Davis is this robotic overbearing nanny to this family who are a fucking hot mess like the father of this family he's pretty uh, like verbally abusive to his wife business dick he sucks yeah his wife is severely depressed because they lost their child like they had a, a young daughter who has died and we don't really find out until later how she died and there's a they have a son named joey and he's kind of a little shit and he is away at a like home for bad boys. Yeah, he's got the problem that Joan Crawford had in Straightjacket, where they sent him away to an asylum. Yeah, presumably because he probably killed his little sister. Right. So that's what they kind of lead you to believe. Like they think he had something to do with her death, and he kind of has this morbid sense of humor too. And I think that's probably why they assume like he has something to do with it. Yeah, it's, it's very like Harold and Harold Maude. and Maude, like when Bud Court like hangs himself, like this fucking little kid's doing that. Yeah. And there's a lot of imagery of little kids' dead bodies in this film, which is really disturbing, especially yeah. for the mid-60s. It's oh, yeah. not, like, implied. Like, you see little kids' dead bodies on the screen. It's really <laughs> fucked up. Right, right. It's, it's it, it pushes it. Well, his name's Joey, or as he's called at home by Nanny, Master Joey. <laughs> and they're all British. He looks exactly like Haley Joel Osment. <laughs> <laughs> I hope he didn't have that Haley Joel Osment disease where, like, no matter how old he gets, he looks like he's, like, a giant 10. baby. <laughs> <laughs> we'll have to look up this kid on Google later. Well, he is convinced that Nanny, and they refer to her as Nanny. Right, because she was also the um, mother's nanny when she right. was a kid. She's so, just been with this family forever. Yeah. Well, he's convinced that she's trying to kill him. So Joey, like, doesn't eat anything she cooks. He doesn't want to be alone with her. He makes her swear not to go in the bathroom when he's taking a bath. He like booby traps his room to make sure she can't get inside because he is convinced that she's the one who killed his little sister. And there's just this weird tension. So you're kind of asking yourself, like, is this little turd of a kid capable of murder or is creepy fucking nanny the one murdering and what's her motive for doing this anyway she's been with this family forever why would she all of a sudden kill like a toddler and then there's just like some really good build-up and it all culminates in this like hideous flashback that shows you exactly what happened right like i know i'm like trying to think like i want to talk about fucking all of it but it's, i don't want to give too I much think away we can let's fucking talk let's about spoil it. it yeah so there's like 
what's cool about this movie is that there's a bunch of awesome flashbacks that are very detailed that really give you a, a good picture about everything going on. So this little girl, well, Nanny left all of a sudden. So she was watching Joey and the little girl. And that was, it was just them by themselves in this like nice, like uptown apartment. Well, she leaves and she leaves the children alone. And the little girl grabs her doll and is pretending to give it a bath. Well, she falls in the bathtub while she's trying to get her doll out and she hits her head. And then Nanny comes home and she's kind of like drained. And she's like, it's time for your bath, kids. And she turns the water in in the bathtub, not knowing the little girl's in it. So she kind of like drowns this little girl without knowing about it. And the reason that she's all fucked up is even more fucked up because what happened was Nanny gets a call about her own child that she's neglected so she could take care of this family that's like not even her family. Yeah, it's just like a class issue there. Right. So she goes to this like bad part of town and like walks up the stairs and her daughter's dead because she got a botched back alley abortion it's fucking grim it's so grim so she's like feeling like a piece of shit and the reason joey's fucked up is because the nanny makes him bathe with his sister's dead body in the tub Mm -hmm. which is super disturbing it's insane so, like, no one is right in this house. No. Like, the nanny is really detached from reality and obviously capable of doing very terrible stuff. But she has, like, a tragic enough backstory where you still feel for her. Right. So that's where you get that sympathy from her. But then, like, she does a bunch of cool psycho bitty shit. Yeah. Like, so Joey's mother becomes ill she gets like food poisoning or something <laughs> and she goes to the hospital so her sister who has like a bad heart condition comes over to the house to stay with joey and nanny and everyone well she wakes up to go get tea in the middle of the night and when she turns on the light nanny's like creeping by joey's door with a pillow like she's to, gonna smother, to fucking him? smother him and then she's like oh master joey wanted another pillow i'm bringing him his pillow <laughs> And she's, like, underlit to look mad. Like, you know those, like, when you put, like, a lamp on the floor to make someone look crazy because the light is coming from beneath them? Oh, and her eyebrows are, like, extra, like, caterpillar. Yeah. Like, they're they're just... Very baby Jean Hudson. Oh, totally. But if Joan Crawford's at, like, an 11 throughout Straight Jacket, Betty Davis is, like, actually (laughs) acting this role, like, it's melodramatic, but it's pretty, you know, it's well-performed. Like, it's... Oh, totally. She's doing it fully committed. And I, th- I believe, like, the f- opening credits are her just, like, walking around London, like, buying a cake and, like, visiting a playground yeah. and feeding the pigeons. She-, <laughs> she looks like a giant pigeon herself, which is kind of funny. But I don't know. It's, like, a really, like, fully committed, dramatically performed movie. And all the actors are pretty good in it. But just this really disturbing stuff happens over and over I and over of- again. Not that I wish that Joey would die, because I kind of started to like his character later. Like, the dorkier he got, like... She tries to drown him in the bathtub and his thing is to go through the fire escape and visit his like 14 year old girl neighbor that likes to smoke cigarettes in her bedroom. Yeah, she pretends she's like a mod. Right. Yeah. Like she pretends she's like super cool. So he's like out of his bathtub in a towel, like running up a fire escape to be like, she's trying to kill me. Yeah. <laughs> she really is. She's a liar. <laughs> you should sack her. <laughs> yeah. So he's he gets kind of charming um, and funny. But I really kind of wanted to see her poison him with his Master Joey um, steak and liver pie. <laughs> she, oh, yeah. she cuts out a J 
and put and is like neatly pressing it on top of the pie before she bakes it. And she's like, I'm making Master Joey's favorite. That's like her scrapbooking. You know? Yes. Uh, you kind of get the sense that like <laughs> she's so detached from reality. She's not even really aware that she's doing this stuff. Like, right. She's just trying to make the house right and whole again. She's just very robotic. Yeah. Like, she has like no feeling left. It's like she's like sweeping this like awful mistake she made <laughs> under the rug. And Joey's like one of the things she has to clean up. Like Joey knows what she did. So she kind of has to like fix everything so it's normal again. Right. One of the ways the family is broken is that the mother, she had the nanny when she was a kid and she sort of retreats to being a little kid again. Oh, it gets really weird. It reminded me of that movie The Baby which we love. Oh, God. That 70s movie. Ooh. Uh, but there's a scene where the <laughs> nanny's like spoon feeding her like a child. And, and like is, brushing her hair. Oh, it's so disturbing. <laughs> yes. And I, I do like that this movie is disturbing in these like really deeply psychological ways. And it's like really sad. Mm-hmm. Um, it's more complex than like Straight Jacket in which right. Joan Crawford's just an axe wielding maniac. Right. And that's the whole movie. It's pure like Straight Jacket is pure glorious trash. Where this kind of has like a... It's still a little classy. A classy, meaningful plot to it, kind of. It might be because everyone's British, but, you know... It's I, because I'm willing... British. But, you know, it's shot really well. Like, it mm-hmm. reminded me of the way Friedkin shoots plays. I know we just watched Boys in the Band recently. Mm-hmm. Like, it's all in this pretty closed apartment set, but the camera right. moves and it takes these, like, high angles and it, like, really uses the space it doesn't feel like a television play, you know, mm-hmm. like there's like a cinematic quality to it, even though it's very contained. Right. Um, and the acting is really good. That being said, I do think straight jacket is my favorite movie we watched today. Oh, hands down. Uh, and this is my first time seeing it too. Yeah. I love it. Like I, I rented it on Amazon so I can watch it in really good quality and I'm going to buy it. Oh, it's so beautiful. <laughs> I want to see it again already. Just the imagery is so crisp and like stark and, I don't know. And Joan just... Crawford's face is so like psychotic. Like her, her very like chiseled, sharp, like witchy features, and her like staring at the camera. Just when she shakes with those like um, her knitting needles, <laughs> I can watch yes. that forever. <laughs> and you just can't convey in audio form how great it is to see two Joan Crawfords axe battle each other. <laughs> no. Oh God. It's like the greatest cinematic image. I don't no. know. There's just something so perfect. Nothing about prepares it. you for it either. Yeah. I thought the whole time I'm like, it's going to be, I thought the, the farm hand who reminded me a lot of Leroy from the bad seed. Oh, for sure. Jacket. Yeah. I'm like, Oh, this fucking crazy guy's wearing a woman's wig and is doing some, um, some psycho shit. Yeah. I will say the Scooby-Doo reveal of how that, that went down is really great. Mm-hmm. And it all makes sense, too. Yeah. Would you say Ma is anywhere up to par with these two films? Or it's hard to say. Cause it, it's on a I different mean, vibe. I don't think it's on the same level. Yeah. But when you look at what Psycho Biddies have been like in the past like 10 years, I would say it's on the top. I will at least say I liked it more than Greta. And I liked Greta a lot. Like I think yeah. Ma is a better film than Greta. So if people liked Greta okay, but wouldn't really want to watch it again, I'd say Ma gives you the goods a little more. Mm -hmm. But if these two movies do well enough that they can keep making more of them, I think I'm like on the hook anytime it happens. Have like a Psycho Bitty revival. Yeah, that Mm -hmm. would be amazing. Mm -hmm. But just the fact that we got three movies this year at least that uh, fit that category is like really exciting. Psycho Granny. Oh, Psycho Granny, right? Well, fucking every Lifetime movie. Yeah. Um, there's actually there's two. Psycho, there's Psycho Granny, and there's another movie on Lifetime, 
that plays as a double feature with Psycho Granny oh, about another psychotic grandmother. Yes. Yeah. Are there any like favorites you have in this genre that we haven't mentioned yet today? Uh, I know we mentioned Shelley Winters and um, Shelley Winters for sure. Debbie Reynolds was in some. Any other Betty Davis ones even? I mean, other than Hush Hush Sweet Charlotte. I guess she kind of does it in that Disney movie. Um, Watcher in the Woods? Yeah, she, she's a little yeah, creepy in that one. A little bit. It's not, not quite the same. Psycho. It's not really about her either. I guess that Shyamalan movie, The Visit, has some like uh, old people going crazy stuff in it. Right. Uh, that one's kind of fun. I'm actually, I'm in a psycho bitty Facebook group <laughs> where it's like people will, con- like, will, that's how I found out about a lot of movies. Like somebody, there's a guy on that group where he kind of searches the web and he's like, oh, here's like a link to watch the three women for free. And I mean, that is a psycho bitty movie. The Robert Altman one? Yeah. Just like anytime you have like a wa- and and it's a, I mean the main character is kind of wacky. She's pretty young, but she fits the psychobitty mold other than her age. Yeah, I guess in the seventies you had those like women breaking down because right. of the patriarchy kind of yeah, movies. Like I would count them as psychobitties. Uh, woman under the influence and puzzle of the downfall oh, um, child. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That that would be a psychobitty movie. And then Cold Day in the Park. Yeah, bring that up again. Great movie, psychobitty. Well. In these movies, though, you get that same, like, tragic the mental unraveling, mm-hmm. but you also get Joan Crawford with an axe chopping people's heads off. And, uh, Wonderful. It's pretty satisfying. Yeah, it's great. <laughs> yeah, I don't know if Ma is necessarily an automatic classic in the canon, but... Um, it's a really fun entry into it's it. It's such a good like Friday night movie to watch and like have a good time with. It's a great movie with a crowd too. Even yeah. if people laugh at weird moments, like <laughs> I don't know, there's some like genuine scares in there. She like and... hits somebody with her truck and is like fucking cunt. <laughs> <laughs> and then cranks uh, the radio to dance to it on her way off yes. in the same breath, pretty much. Uh, it's so good. Great. So yeah, it's if great. you're a little cautious about Ma, just go see it. It's really fun. And also, Straight Jacket and The Nanny are both classics. Absolutely. They're, they're really great. And we'll be back with another episode next week. I don't know what we're going to be talking about, so more on that to come. Sounds fun. Uh, and to go with uh, last week's Overlook Roundup, I'm posting pretty much a review for every movie we talked about that episode. It's probably going to take me all month to get yeah. through them all. I'm looking forward to In Fabric, for sure. That one is going to take me a little longer than others. It's a hard Understandable. One to talk about. Yeah. yeah. But it was my favorite thing we saw at the fest. Sweet. So it'll, it's definitely forthcoming. Woo! And um, you can check all that out at swapflix.com. Yep. Bye, everybody. Bye. I was terribly tired. I felt sick. I still couldn't believe it all. I thought perhaps I might wake up in a moment and find out it was a bad dream. <laughs> <laughs>